Greetings, fellow imps. I'm Imp Fossil Tom Henske, and I'd like to welcome you to From Nowhere to Now Here, Where Incarnate Memories Prevail. Like many incoming first years, I entered the university a blank canvas. You get it, nowhere. But four years later, I grew to now here. And when I look back at that transformation, it was the friendships that I built through the imps that were a huge part of that growth. But where did everyone end up? I'm going to take us on a journey to find them, to catch up with the friends we've lost touch with. And in doing so, my mission is to rekindle these amazing relationships. Imp Nation, we're back. I've got a great interview today. Oh, this is going to be awesome. One of my good friends, by the way, we weren't friends back in college. We became friends after college. And I'm going to just give you a quick little introduction to Ryan Hargraves. Let me tell you how we met. So my son it was probably like 2016. He was going to basketball camp with Tony Bennett. And he decides to go to this. It's a day camp. So I go down with him and I'm staying in a hotel and I needed for five days to find things to do. So I decide to go to the regular admissions tour just for giggles. I go to the admissions tour. I'm sitting in that auditorium with all of these other parents who had kids who were actually ready to go to college. And I'm listening to this guy speak. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh, He's like the perfect representative for the university. He's articulate, knowledgeable. By the way, one of the funniest dudes I've ever heard talk, which was great. And that group, because it was a stressful auditorium for those parents, they needed a little stress relief. But I went down to introduce myself afterwards. And I said to him, hi, Ryan, my name's Tom Hensky, And I just want to let you know, I thought you were awesome today. You are such a great representative of the university. And he goes, hey, T-Ski, what's up? And for some reason, he had known my name probably from those tiny little contributions I'd given to the Imp Society when they came around looking for funds. And that started off an unbelievable friendship. Ryan, my man, what's up? T-Ski, it is, it is an absolute pleasure to be here. And uh, thank you. you. You oversold me in that story, but uh, I'll take it. <laughs> it's great to be here. That's all right. The check's in the mail for that intro, right? You'll, yeah, thank you'll you. Thank you. <laughs> so, hey, can we just jump right in? I've got so much catching up to do with you. Uh, this thing could go for five hours, so I'm going to try and, and jump right in. So tell me, I don't know that I know the background before UVA. So what was the lead into high, from high school to UVA for you? Yeah, so I grew up in a small city in, in the South Side, Danville, Virginia. And I ultimately graduated from George Washington High School. My mom was a elementary school teacher. My dad worked for, for a good year. So just, you know, regular kind of middle-class upbringing. And, you know, I had a, a, a great experience at, at GW. I studied, I played some ball, I played some music. And, and to be honest, um, quite frankly, UVA was, was not on my list of prospective schools. Um, in fact, my top two choices were, uh, the first was a, a school in New England. I won't name these schools, but because I, I think, you know, the longer I'm in, in college admissions as, as a profession, the more I feel bound by this code of ethics to not besmirch any other institution. But uh, the first was a, a school in New England where my, my cousin was on the faculty. And the other, believe it or not, I won't name that school either, another out-of-state school with a uh, perhaps soon to be retired, very famous head basketball coach, if you can believe it or not. And so uh, that in mind, I, I did finally add UVA to my list of schools to which I would apply because I went to a college fair in the, the, the fall of my senior year, September of my senior year. And the way it was set up was, you know, a lot of colleges were in the cafeteria and had a shared space, but some of the more popular schools got their own classroom. And I remember walking by this classroom and I saw, if I'm just gonna be blunt, a very attractive person 
in in the room <laughs> that where UVA was set up. So I, I said to myself, yeah, um, I think I think I'll go in here and just check it out. Maybe maybe there's something I could learn. And so the then uh, Tasha Daniel, she's now actually Dr. Tasha Granger. She she knows this story, and and I don't think she'd be too mortified to to hear it uh, because of her familiarity with it. But you know, I always mention to her that she was one of the the procuring causes to my decision to attend UVA. But basically, what happened is I applied to all these schools. I was very fortunate to get into those three. I visited UVA, rose on the list, and then ironically, it was my cousin who was working at this New England University. We talked for about two hours and he said, you know what? I think UVA is, is the place for you. I think that's the best fit. It, it has all the, the things that you need. It's vibrant. It's, it's going to just really provide you a boundless experience. And I don't think you're going to get that here. So my advice is you should go there. So in the summer after my, my, my high school graduation, my, my family packed up our uh, 1993 white Dodge Caravan went up 29 and and headed toward toward Charlottesville. It's crazy to think about how we all had this amazing experience, yet Virginia wasn't the one and only school on our radar. And for a lot of us, it, it took for you it took uh, you know it took Tasha walking you around. <laughs> <laughs> But that's another recurring like theme with all the imps that the reason that we made the decisions was not academics, which is ironic. <laughs> so ironic. So, okay, so you got to the university. Tell me about like your beginnings, the first people you met, your friend group. What, what, what was that like? Yeah, so it was interesting, you know, when I, when I think about my, my UVA experience and one of the, the first people that I met, this kid, Named, named John Baxton, and he just happened to be living in, in Old Dorms. And John actually went on to become a, a UVA legend in his own right. He actually became a, a great acapella singer. He was with the, the academical village people. So he made, it, made a name for himself. But I remember we were just walking around the quad, like, you know, just kind of aimlessly as you do sometimes your first couple of days of college. And <laughs> it's right, it was around dinner. And I go, Hey, you hungry? He's like, yeah, I'm hungry. He's like, you want to go to dinner? So I was like, cool. So we went to O'Hill. And as it turned out that uh, we were, we ended up in each other's weddings. <laughs> so yeah, that was kind of the beginning of, of the formation of my social group. I had a really good foundation of friends in my own dorm. I remember, you know, sort of having this, this nervous energy, like, oh man, you know, I did all these things in high school and, you know, I want to make sure that I like, do something here I'm a, and I become a leader. So I became the, the page house council president, very distinguished. But, you know, with that, my, my, my UVA experience began and, and I really just kind of started immersing myself. And, and my story is like a lot of others. I went to the activities fair that they held in the amphitheater and I signed up for all these things and got on all these like email listservs. And, you know, then I was in like 15 extracurricular things. and was like, oh, I should, I should probably cut this down. But yeah, I just started like kind of like on fire wanting to take advantage of not only, you know, uh, the extracurricular experience and the social experience, but also to challenge myself academically. So, yeah, that, that was kind of my start. Just I was I was a little ball of fire ready to to burn. And, you know, that was it. You know what I love about the answers to that question that I just asked that you start bringing up places and clubs and things that I haven't heard in years. I mean, I haven't heard O'Hill in, I can't even tell you how long. I started to think through, as you mentioned, the acapella group, it was the village people, is that what they were? Yeah, Academical Village People, AVP. Okay. Right, and then I think I remember when I was there, we had the Silhouettes and yes. the Virginia Gentlemen. I'm wondering if those are still there. I don't even yeah. know. Yeah, well, they were still there when I, I left in 2017, I left my my role in the admissions office. They were still they were still kicking. That's awesome. And then uh, tell me a little about Page House Council. What was that like? Yeah. So I, the the irony is, you mentioned the silhouette. So the person that ended up becoming the vice president became a sill. But it was really cool. I mean, I we just you know kind of organized activities for for our dorm and you know did various social events. And so honestly, quite frankly, it was. It was really 
for me, if, if I'm being selfish about my, my reflection, it was an opportunity to meet some really cool people through, throughout the dorm. And that was actually the beginning of, of my, my network because you know, through those meetings, we also would have you know, periodic meeting with other you know, dorm house councils. So you get to meet people from you know, Hancock and you know, from, from Metcalf and all the other you know, houses in, in old dorms. But yeah, I, and, and I, I honestly, you know, as, I, as I, I reflect back on that, I think, wow, that was actually a really safe space for me to, you know, expand my leadership portfolio or really not even expand it just to kind of begin it because it was something that we were doing just for fun. None of us took it too seriously, but we did some, did some good programming for, for our fellow classmates. So it was, it was a lot of fun. Well, when I hear you tell that story, I'm, I'm a little offended that the university never asked me to be on the FitzU uh, house council. And so now, like, I wonder why that is. I wonder if it's the first day that I was there that I got caught with beer in our mini fridge. I wonder if that was, that might've knocked me out. Was that one of the uh, knockouts for being on the council? How does that work? Well, well, to be clear, I, I got caught with beer after I, I was elected. So yeah, maybe your timing was just a little, just slightly off. <laughs> yeah, that, that probably altered my whole life going forward because I never got the leadership training that I would have gotten from that, that council. So. <laughs> okay, so let's move on. So now um, I know you ended up being a chemistry major, but was right, I'm, I've got that correct? That's correct. Okay, but That's then correct. was that always the plan? Yeah, well, so, so my original plan was I was going to go to UVA I was going to, you know, study biochem, be a pre-med, you know, major, and it's going to go to med school. Well, I did the biochemistry part. I did the pre-med part. And then I remember having this, this epiphany. It's my fourth year sitting on my couch. And I thought to myself, now, why is it that I'm applying to med school? And I didn't have a good answer. You know, you know, I grew up in Danville and, you know, I knew of perhaps seven different, you know, career paths, right? It was like, you know, doctor, lawyer, teacher, preacher, male person, fire person, right? Like those were the like career paths. I didn't know that you could like be a student affairs professional. I didn't know you could work on a college campus. And so anyway, that said, you know, one of my goals was regardless of where I went to college, I wanted to challenge myself academically. I love science growing up. My cousin that I mentioned, Previously, he was a he was an engineer, an engineering professor, and so he helped really spark my my interest in science. But while I was there, I took uh, you know biochemistry, you know courses, physics courses. I took a lot of German courses, you know, and then I would just honestly, I dipped my toes in and took other courses that I thought were interesting. I took the history of jazz with Scott DeVoe. I took an acting class my my fourth year. I took the history of the civil rights movement with Julian Bond. Um, I actually have a, a great story about, about Julian Bond. So I'm in his class. This was the fall of my, my third year. So I walk into his lecture, and there are probably, you know, 150-odd you know, people in this class. And I walk up to him. I was nervous because, you know, this guy's an icon. And I say, excuse me, Professor Bond, I am running for student council. Do you mind plugging me? He's like, sure, not a problem. Five seconds later, he begins a class and he says to me, hey, actually, you're going to plug yourself. So he gets up in front of the class and he says, folks, you know that participating in democracy is very important. One of your classmates is running for student council. His name is Ryan Hargraves, and he's going to come to the front right now and tell you why you should vote for him. <laughs> so Julian Bond put me on the spot and I, I told him that story about 10 years later and, and we died laughing he thought it was funny but he said yeah that sounds about like something i would do so <laughs> yep so anyway i i had a, a really rich um, academic experience there at, at uva tough but rewarding okay and so then where was your head at when you decided to be a chemistry major where did you think you were going to be 10 years from there? Did you think, okay, I'm, this is just a major for me, but I'm going to move on to 
a completely different area. I mean, like, look, I was a, a government and foreign affairs major, right? And I, I didn't do anything even remotely close to that. So that happens. So where was your head at where you were going to be 10 years later? Yeah, you, you know, interestingly, and I didn't know this at the time, but there's a, a social scientist, uh, Daniel Hahnemann, who actually talks about the, 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 the what you see is all there is philosophy. And, you know, basically, like, people told me when I was growing up, hey, you're good at math and science, like you should be an engineer or a scientist or a doctor. So I was like, oh, doctor sounds great. I'll do that. Right. Like, that's, that's where I, I thought my, my career was heading. And, you know, as such, I really, I was, I don't want to say I was going through the motions, but because I, I did enjoy science, but I, I felt like it was like a box that I needed to check off. And if I could do it all over again, would I major in biochemistry? I might, actually, I might, I might mix that with, you know, uh, you know, I love languages, you know, I, I, I actually in, in high school had a very interesting and in, in, I was very fortunate to go to an immersion academy for, for German studies. <clears throat> so I did that. And for five weeks after my, my junior year, when I did this program, we were not allowed to speak English at all. And that's, that's really, that was one of the sort of most humbling experiences, but, but really just, just, just phenomenal, right? Like to put yourself in a place where you're uncomfortable, right? And, and that's, that was one of the lessons that I learned from that is put yourself in a space where you're going to be uncomfortable because that is your, that is, that is the provision for growth. Whether you're talking about, you know, working out, whether you're talking about learning a new, you know, language or, you know, picking up an instrument. Hey, before you can be great, you got to be good. Before you can be good, you got to be bad. And before you can be bad, honestly, you just got to suck. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, but yeah, I, I just wanted to really take advantage of, of you know, and I, I'll call it the way, the way I'll refer to it now is collecting advisors. Like I wanted to meet, you know, cool faculty members. So as I, you know, experienced, you know, courses, I, I, I took advantage of asking some of my more knowledgeable upper class classmates, hey, what, what course should I take? And it would usually be rooted in you should take a class with this professor as opposed to a specific class. So, yeah, I was very lucky in that. Two things I think about, I used to coach soccer and we had a saying with the, with the boys when we would go through a season, which was, if it doesn't suck, we don't do it, right? And so that was kind of their mantra and it usually had to do when we were doing fitness at the end, as you can imagine. So another humbling experience I had is driving my daughter to school and trying to help her study for her Spanish quiz that she had that morning. And I was remembering how much Spanish I don't remember uh, from my time. So are you uh, still able to speak German? Yeah, you know, you know, life is, is very funny. So I actually am able to, to, to have conversations in, in, in German. Um, I can write it, I can read it. I'm, I'm very lucky that life has created a path whereby I've had the opportunity to use it. So you know, starting off when I was working in admissions at UVA, I had several colleagues who were German speakers. And then as, as fate would have it after I left, and we'd, we'd meet regularly and, 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 and chat over lunch or, you know, watch a, a German film. But uh, more recently, as, as fate would have it, one of my friends from, from UVA actually was looking at jobs in New England. And one of the jobs that she was looking at and ultimately got the job was as the director of enrollment for the language school at Middlebury, which is, you know, 35, 40 minutes from where I am in Burlington. And so she said, why don't you come and, and check this, this, this place out? I said, that would be great. And I think, you know, I've heard a lot about it. I would love to come there. So I went there for a couple of days and they said, oh, what? what level are you in? And I was like, oh, I don't, I don't really know. Like, I think I, I'm good, but, you know, put me in the intermediate level. And they're like, oh, well, we don't really have any space there. So we're just gonna put you in level five. So go in and we're reading these like really like dense, you know, texts. And I remember the professor, you know, saying like, heute werden wir über die, die op, das Opferperspektive sprechen. And I'm like, oh man, like, 
So not only do I have to trip over the words, but like the concepts, but I did it for a couple of days. The long and short of it is that while I'm there, a, one of the faculty members in the program said, oh, you, you live, you work at UVM. I was like, yes, I work at UVM. And she's like, where do you live? I live in Winooski. Oh, okay. It turns out that she, who's a German professor and her now husband, who's a German professor, not only live in the same building, as me, but they live in the same like apartment three floors down. And so they've become some of our best friends and we meet and, you know, speak regularly. And then, you know, on top of that, like, you know, Duolingo and, you know, I'm teaching myself Spanish, but, you know, I've been, tra I've traveled to, you know, German speaking places, Germany, Austria, like just to kind of keep up. But yeah, it's, it's been a wonderful part of my, my lifelong learning journey. Well, you beat me to it with the uh, German that you just spoke there. I was going to ask you to say something to the crew in German because that would have been an in podcast first, but you beat me to it. It must be, uh, you understand how showbiz goes. I guess you knew that I was going to ask <laughs> you to beat me to the punch. So then let me take us back into Virginia for a second. So, and specifically with the imps. Now, the practical joke plays a little bit different meaning with you uh, because you have a little bit of a comedy background going on. Tell me about your comedy experience. Everyone's going to love hearing about this. Yeah, so I, it's, it's funny because it, it, my, my experience really goes back to when I was a, a very young, young child. And it's interesting because you would ask my parents, they would say, oh, you were kind of a shy young child but you were always a performer. And so three years old, two years old, like, you know, performing, performing, doing impersonations, you know, in front of my relatives. And then that kind of, you know, evolved into doing a lot of just, you know, public events where I would infuse my comedy. Um, I've done a couple of, of, of stand-up gigs, but I actually went to the, the second city in Chicago and, and did several courses. And what's interesting, um, after I did maybe the, the fourth, fourth course there, the person that was in charge of writing said, hey, would you be interested in doing the, you know, doing a writing program? And I was like, I love like doing this, but I live in Virginia, you know, well, you could do some of it online, but, and we, it, it never jived so that it, it worked out, but doing coursework there, really challenging myself, being around some legit funny people, like it really changed my, my perspective, not only on comedy, but really on life. And, you know, thinking about the fact that, you know, we, we have plans and sometimes life throws curves at us. And what do we have to do? We have to improvise, right? And, and, and ultimately it's just being nimble in the face of adversity, being flexible in, in light of change. You know, that's, that's really what it's, what it's all about for me. So I, I, I look back on my, my own UVA experience and, you know, beyond the, the academic stuff, I did, you know, student council. I was an RA and program coordinator for, uh, for the Office of Residence Life. I, I did this program called UVA Lead, which was a, an arm of, or sponsored rather by the, the Dean of Students Office. It was a Black Student Admissions Committee. And, and I didn't know that any of those things would lead to anywhere. It is ironic that doing the work with the Student Admissions Committee, that later on I would go on to do that work. But the whole thing is I was just trying, you know, things that um, perhaps stretched me. And so my comedy is really a, a function of, you know, and I actually was, was set to do uh, some stand-up here before, before the pandemic. And, and I, I'm going to, I'll pursue that, you know, in, 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 in due time soon. But, you know, ultimately it's really about putting yourself out there, challenging yourself. It really causes you to be, you know, introspective. And also not, and to, and to be, you know, bold in being transparent. I think that's really what it's about. And that's, that's really helped me in a lot of ways. But yeah, I've, I've done a lot of, I did a lot of things with, as an example, when I was at UVA, I worked with uh, Brian O'Connor, UVA baseball program, and did their, their step up to the plate event. And so, um, and infused comedy there. So yeah, it's just been a kind of a running theme to, to my, my work and my, my co-curricular life, if you will. Uh, for the last couple decades. Uh, the good news about that is that like I met you uh, before I knew about the comedy, the comedy stuff I learned afterwards. And after I'm like, oh, I can totally see that. He's a really funny guy. I get it. But here's how I know you're funny. 
So my son, Spencer, who you've mentored over the last couple of years, and it was amazing. We could talk about that later, but you're just so giving. But he actually, after the first time you met, he goes, yeah, I like him. He's really smart and he's funny. And so here's how I know you're funny, because I think I'm very funny and my son doesn't think I'm funny at all. So if you're, you are passing his test, then I know you're funny. You're funny, like 17, 18 year old funny, not just old guy funny. Well, see, I have the advantage of the fact that I work with that group all the time. So I've been working with 17, 18 year olds for about 20 years. So, Hey, I want to affirm you, you are funny, no matter what Spencer says. Yeah, you know, I just come to the conclusion, I don't even really give a crap what he thinks anymore. I'm like, I'm going to be funny, smart, know what I'm talking about, have a lot of life experience. Just because he's on a 15 year tape delay doesn't mean that I need to worry about that, right? Just like all the kids that age. So wait, but you also wrote a book. Oh, yeah, I did. I'm, I'm a, and, and this really goes to, you know, my love of, of languages, but I, I love words. And I wrote a book a few years ago called Days and Nights, D-A-Z-E and K-N-I-G-H-T-S of comedic destruction, short tales illustrating why the pun is mightier than the sort of. So um, a really, really concise title there, but it's basically a, a book of, of vignettes based on word plays. And just, it was just an outlet for me. I, I remember uh, one of my friends, who is actually ironically a Zoomer, <laughs> she said, and we we were work we were colleagues at UVA. She's like, oh, these these puns, like you should write them down. And like, I was like, you know what? I think I will. And so in about thirty days, I just went on a frenzy and wrote the draft of the book. And you know, about oh gosh, it was probably a couple of years later before I actually published it because you know I had to go through this process of of exploration and and you know I wanted to figure out, okay, what's the, the, the best way to publish and, you know, how, but you know, the, the lesson that I learned from that is, you know, sometimes analysis leads to paralysis and, and you just got to be, be bold and don't worry about getting the right publisher. Don't worry about just publish it, just get it out there. Right. Like, so, but it, that was a, that was a really fun project and uh, days and nights of committee destruction volume two will be coming out soon. Really? And I'm curious, where can people get the book? Uh, it's on Amazon. It's on Amazon. And so that's, that's the, the quickest place to, to get it. So All right. get it. And yeah, if you get it, you like it, write me a review. If you don't like it, just kind of keep it to yourself. That's awesome. Okay, good. We'll put that in the show notes too. And I guess, uh, why don't we say the first five people that email me uh, can get a copy of the book. I'll buy a copy of the book for them as a little gift. So that might be oh, some, amazing. some fun imp stuff that we can do. Totally. So, okay, cool. So now you graduate and you get into your real world. So what is your real world at that point? Yeah, well, my, my real world. So, you know, I, I mentioned for the past couple of decades, I've been doing admissions and, you know, in, enrollment management. But before that, there was a, a detour. I actually worked with a guy, Rob Archer, who owned Arch's Frozen Yogurt. And uh, Rob was, Rob was, is, is, is phenomenal. But, you know, I remember after I had that sort of, that epiphany, I remember sitting on my couch, like I said, and then a couple of days later, I called Rob Archer and was like, you know what? I'm not sure what I want to do. And he was, he was a mentor to me and, and some of my, my classmates as well. He'd gone to engineering school, Darden, like he's just a knowledgeable guy and, and a staple in the Charlottesville community. And he said, well, hey, why don't you come work with me? I was like, so what would I be doing? He's like, you'd be doing everything. You know, he, he totally sold it. So basically I became his, his general manager of operations for Arches Frozen Yogurt. And I did everything. I like worked in the store. I helped him with accounting. I had no business experience, but it was, it was, it was amazing. Like I had one of the, the best professional development opportunities that I've had in my life. I learned so much about business and that has actually helped me moving, moving forward. But after I was there at Arches for about, about a year and a half or so, 
I remember Dean Aaron Loshway, who I worked with, um, I mentioned that UBA lead program. He came in and he said, hey, there's this great opportunity. I know you're taking some time because I thought I was just basically taking a break between undergrad and, and med school. He said, there's this great opportunity open in admissions. You'd be on the committee, you'd be doing some recruitment. He's like, so you should do it for a year or two you know, while you're on your break. He's like, I'll, I'll, I'll recommend you. I said, great, I'll apply for it. We'll see what happens. November of that year, November, I think this is November 99, I ended up getting this, this job. And so I talked to Rob about it and was like, he's like, yeah, he's like, that's a great, great gig. I think you should do it. So needless to say, I never, I never sort of veered back to, to med school because I started working in this career that I knew nothing, really nothing about, sort of having a phenomenal experience. And then, you know, a few years down the road, I, you know, a couple of years down the road, did my grad school work, got a different job, got another job. And then, you know, all of a sudden, like that led to being the uh, director, the executive director of, of admissions and orientation at, at Vermont, UBM. And now I've been lucky to, to have been named the executive director of student recruitment and admissions at the University of Toronto. So that's what I'm doing now. Wow. I remember when Arches Yogurt started, I think it was new when I was there, which was somewhere between 90 and 94. And I can't remember the road it was on. It was right past University Hall and it was in the back of wherever it was, If that, unless I'm totally making that up in my head. And it, I remember that was a favorite place to go to get yogurt. And that was before yogurt places were like really out there and cool. He was really ahead of the curve on that one. He was, yeah. And, and if I remember the timeline correctly, the first arches was the one on Ivy Road, per your description, and that was started in 1991. And then the second one was started on graduation day, 94, on the corner. So those are the first two, two locations. Wow, Ivy, I haven't heard that one in a while too. So for those of us that haven't been living in Charlottesville, you just did it again. You went from O'Hill Dining Hall to uh, <laughs> Page Dorm and now to Ivy. So cool. Okay, so then you start working in admissions. Take me before, I know you're in this really senior spot now. Tell me about what it was like when you first started working. What were you doing? Were you like cleaning office space? Were you... Uh, <laughs> What, what, what were the roles that they felt you were qualified for? Or did you just get right into either accepting or uh, declining potential students? Did they give you that responsibility from the get-go? How did it work? Well, yeah, you, it's funny because I do remember, you know, guests would, would come in, visitors would come in and say, oh, you, are you one of the deans of admission? And I remember one of my friends coming in and I said, you know, the more I think about it, I don't know if I'm a dean. I'm more like the clean of admission, right? Like I'm doing like a lot of the the quote unquote dirty work. I mean, I was I was beating the pavement. I was going to to everywhere and nowhere. I was I was going to deep corners of like Southwest Virginia. I was in Atlanta. I was in in you know Washington D.C. I was in New York. I was I was just traveling a lot, going to these college fairs, New Jersey. I, I mean, I was just meeting students, shaking hands. You know, and at that point in time, you know, we still had the like the cards that you'd fill out. So you get, you know, so that was sort of your badge of honor. You come back with this big stack of, you know, hey, look at all the, the cards I collected, look at all the, the names I had. But yeah, I mean, from from day one, you know, we we had there was an extensive training, but you you were reading, you know, application files and making decisions, not the final decision, certainly, but yeah, it, it was a they had a pretty intense training process so before they let you make a decision like there was a, a, a curve that had to be flattened before you had decision making authority see i would think that's probably i was joking before but really early on you have to learn how to read the applications because it's only when you have that experience of looking at applications from that vantage point that you really understand the type of students that you're looking for and the ability to describe the university which when you're out on the road, what you're talking about is probably the main thing you need to do, right? You're, you know, promoting the university and selling its attributes. And sometimes I don't know that you realize that until you actually get into the weeds on the application process, I would imagine. Yeah, totally. And, and then you get, you know, 
the the university is they they operate in a uh, a need blind context, right? So we weren't privy to people's finances when we were evaluating their their applications. But then you know after students are admitted, we work very closely with with financial aid, and we'd be able to see students' financial aid packages. So it would just help inform you know conversations that you were having with students and their families just to you know, have some sense of, of reality. So I've got an out-of-state student from a, you know, middle-income family, and they say, well, I, I'm from New Jersey. I got into Rutgers. I got into UVA. Like, you know that that's, that's, that's going to be a tough, in most cases, that's going to be a tough decision that they're going to have to make. And so it allowed us to recruit with, with empathy, right? Because you understand, you're not just saying come to UVA without any thought about the implications on the student and their, their, their family. And then I know Jaws in the university dropped when you decided to go to the University of Vermont. So tell us about what happened there, um, how that came up and to be, and then tell me a little bit about your experience in Vermont. Yeah, I don't know if you know this about me, but one of my goals as a, as a young child was to work in all the V states. So you wound up going to Vermont, right? And yes, what was that like? Well, you know, the great story behind that is so not only did I not have a goal to, to work in all the V states, but Vermont wasn't, wasn't a thing. And when I was at UVA in my, my last role there, I, my, my team, we oversaw recruitment for Southern California. So I, I made you know, quite a few trips there. And I remember it was, it was May of, of 2017. Now, before I get to that part of the story, what I want to, to, to really emphasize, and especially to you know, those folks who are currently you know, in the M society or are just starting their careers, you, know, you, you, may have to, you may have to interview, you may have to go on many interviews before you find the thing that is the right fit. And it's really critical that, you know, particularly once you advance in your career, that you, 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 have, you exercise some patience and, and take the right job. And yes, sometimes you can get a, an offer that has a salary attached to it, that's great. But there's so many different aspects of, of what I would say are correlations to, to job satisfaction that have nothing to do with the actual like salary that you're earning, that you're gonna wanna think about those things. So I interviewed, um, Gosh, I could go down the list probably at eight or nine places, you know, and, and usually the way it would work is I'd get a call or an email, hey, this job's open, we want you to interview for it. And then I'd go out and, you know, there'd be like a two-day kind of interview process. And I remember in a couple of instances, I went through the interview and before we were technically done, I said, this is, this is not the right job. They were just, you know, you have to be willing to pay attention to the, some of those red flags some of the smoke, right? You're like, oh, I see the smoke. There's, there's a fire, you know? And I, one, one example of that was I interviewed at a, a university on the West Coast and part of my schedule included a breakfast meeting with some of the deans and faculty. And I get to breakfast, it's eight in the morning and there were supposed to be 12 people there. There was one person there. <laughs> so, what, what happened there? Yeah, I just think it was, so it was one of these things where, again, it was part of their culture. They had a, a, a communicate, they had communication issues, right? So I said, yeah, if this is kind of the way things happen here, then this might not be the spot for me. But anyway, I, I digress because in, in May of 2017, I get a call from a, a colleague who she said she was working for a search firm. And she said, hey, there's this job that's open and I really think that it'd be a good fit for you. I'm in Southern California. I'm in Orange County. I'm between meetings. I'm like taking a break. I'm walking down Laguna Beach. It's May, it's 75. My hair is blowing in the wind, right? I'm, it's, it's, it's perfect. And she calls me and she says, this job is great. And I'm like, okay, this is amazing. The weather's beautiful. I've just been called about this job opportunity. And then I said, wait, did you say Vermont? She's like, yeah, she's like, it's the perfect fit. You're going to love it. And I said, great. You know what? Cool. I'll, 
since you you are, and I respect her, she actually used to be the Dean of Admissions and Financial Aid at Wellesley. I respected her immensely. I said, you know what, if you say it's great, you think it's a good fit, I, I'm all in, I'll apply for it. And then I didn't apply for it. And so she called me probably four or five days later. And she said, oh, I just wanna make sure that like, you, you know, you're, you're doing well with your application. I was like, oh yeah, I'm putting the finishing touches on it right now. I didn't even start it. Uh, so I did my application. I sent it along. Two days later, she called me and she said, hey, you got, a, you got an interview. And I was like, great, like phone interview. Yeah, no, no phone interview. You're going to Burlington, Vermont. Wow. <laughs> so I was like, oh, great. Like, you know, I didn't say this to her. I, I, I was enthusiastic. I was like, oh, well, okay, great. I'm going to Burlington, like wonderful. I'm gonna go interview for this job I don't want. That's amazing. <laughs> so I remember though, flying in over, you know, as you, as you approach, you know, Burlington from the South and you see the beautiful mountains and the trees and then you hit Lake Champlain and you're like, man, this is, this is a pretty amazing like scenic place. And then I started to actually get a little mad because the truth was, despite the fact that I was being offered this opportunity to interview for this job, I didn't really want to like another place other than UVA. I, like I had sort of become, you know, not only biased based on my experience as a student, as a grad student, but really just over time, you know, um, and even honestly, like I, I feel fortunate because I'm probably one of these people who is unique. I was a, a UVA student, then I was an active imp, then I was a semi-fossil imp, then I was a grad student, then I was a fossil, and then I was an administrator, I was a, a, an advisor to the group, and now I'm a full-fledged like alum fossil, so I've had all these like sort of UVA imp life, so I'm, I'm like woven into the, the fabric of this place. Anyway, did the interview, had a great experience, loved it, and thought, you know what, I've been here for, at that point, it would have been 20, 20 plus years as a student and, and as a administrator, you know, maybe it's time for me to take my own advice, take a risk, be uncomfortable. And that's what I did. And, and honestly, like, you know, I was here working at University of Vermont for three and a half years. And it was, it has been a critical part of, of my professional story. And had I not had this experience, I would have never been able to uh, be considered for this, this job at, at U of T, which has been awesome. So tell us about U of T since you let us into that. But before you do, I think you got married somewhere in there. We got to make <laughs> yeah. sure we fit that in because that actually brought you right back to Charlottesville. So tell the story. Yeah, yeah. So just briefly. So my, my wife, Jenny, actually met her. Interestingly, we did not overlap as, as students. She was uh, five years younger, but I actually met her ironically at an admissions event in Southern California because she was the president of the Los Angeles Alumni Club there. And what was our tradition, so we do these events with, with Harvard and Princeton, and then basically night we do a program for students and parents, morning counselors, go to the next place. Night student event, counselors, go to the next place. So we're driving, weaving our way from you know San Diego on up to to LA proper. And that particular event, it was UVA's turn to send an alum. We all had you know, alumni help. We had assigned alumni helpers each night. And so I remember meeting her, but it was like, it's chaos, right? That these events are like hundreds of people there and you know, people trying to ask you questions. And so it's all just very you know, blurry. And that was in the fall of 2009. So we met, we chatted for like five minutes. So then fast forward to the spring of 2014, there was a, a friend who was having a, a going away party for her roommate who, you know, we knew. So I was like, ah, do I really want to go to this thing? Like, I'm really like beat up because, you know, it was in, it was in March, right? And at that point, like you're an admissions, you're fried. You've like done all the recruitment. You've you know, read thousands of applications, you're just like done. But I was like, you know what? I owe it to her to go to this, this going away party. So I get there and then I, I meet Jenny. I was like, Jenny, oh, sure. Oh, weather. I was like, what, 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 
wait, hold on. I know you like, and she's like, oh yeah, we met in LA like five years ago, you know? So anyway, we started, you know, dating and then, you know, the rest is history. We got married um, just this past year. So. <laughs> and where did you get married? We got married in, it's, technically it's in Nelson County. So one of, one of, one of our close friends actually has a, an Airbnb there, the, the Lewis Catherine house, which is wonderful. So we did a, we, we had this big, you know, kind of wedding plan. And then, you know, obviously because of our, our circumstances, we had to pare down the, the guest list to about 40 people. So we were outside, but it was, it was beautiful. I still haven't had my bachelor party. So she tells me that I can go because she says she's going to do her, her bachelorette thing moving forward. So the irony is when I was planning my bachelor party, the spot that ended up emerging as number one was Toronto. <laughs> and this is before I even, you know, interview for this job. So. Well, maybe what you'll do is maybe you'll have a bachelor party. I think on our mailing list, we have a hundred male imps. So maybe okay. we, we should just have all a hundred and we'll do it in Toronto since that's where you want it to be. Or is that maybe a little too risky now that you're professionally in Toronto because what happens in Toronto stays in Toronto, but if you're staying in Toronto, maybe that's problematic. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, as, as an athlete yourself, you, you know, I, I have no interest in a home game. <laughs> so uh tell me briefly what are you going to be doing at toronto for university of toronto is it more the same is it a little different give uh, everyone like a two minute on what's going to be going on there for you yeah i'm i'm overseeing um, recruitment and admissions and it's a, a little different than than the other jobs i've had in the past because this this university is it's it's huge they're about seventy thousand undergraduate students there are three campuses so you've got the central campus, the east campus, and the west campus. And we work very closely with the, the, they call them the faculties, the divisions. So, you know, really just, you know, helping them as a, a central function to support them in, you know, meeting their, their enrollment targets. And so we've got, there, there are, gosh, across the three campuses, there are like 80, 80 people who recruit, right? And they're recruiting, all over the world, it is a highly international, you know, place. I think we're at 27, roughly 27% of our population is is from from outside of Canada. So that that was one of the the aspects of the the job that really drew me in because it's 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 a part of the experience there to be able to you know really meet people from from all over the world. That's a that's a draw for for, for students and you know that's something that they really want to continue building momentum on so that's the gist of the job you know working closely with colleagues overseeing issues pretending that you know financial aid that's going to be that's obviously a part of 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 recruitment and you know working with the the registrars and, and honestly helping to manage enrollment more broadly with my my great boss who is the, the vice provost for, for enrollment services. That seems like a Herculean task and opportunity and probably also a boatload of fun for you, right? So you're probably, you're probably super looking forward to uh, really lighten it up and be doing some, as I like to call, epic work while you're there. So that's great. And it's gonna be nice to not have to be there knock 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 on wood uh during a pandemic right so we're since we're on the tail end of that i'm sure that just was really tough to navigate last year during the admissions process for you oh yeah and you know it's funny because you know in order to and i have a, a ton of empathy for you know anyone who's migrating to a country because you know i had to go through this this immigration process and i in order to be eligible to work i had to obtain a work permit which required me to go to Canada, but you know, going to another country during a pandemic is quite complicated. <laughs> so, among other things, in order for me to you know get obtain the the permit in route to you know permanent residency, I literally had to go sit in an Airbnb in Canada so I could apply because I, I needed a Canadian address. And so, it, it was just quite an adventure, and I'm I'm just it makes me even more appreciative of the of the opportunity. And when are you moving there full time? In August. 
Okay, great. So you've got some packing to do next month. Got some packing to do. All right, you'll get it done. No worries. Yeah. And so, great. You're there now in Toronto. You're looking back at your life, which has been packed, man. There's no one who packs more into things than you. Gosh. And so tell me about the UVA student experience from when you were there. How did that shape this whole journey? You know, honestly, I I think that, and I, I, I feel very fortunate. I think you know, a lot of us, if you ask us, we're very partial to, to our era of, of, of UVA. But when I was there, I mean, it was like, and, and I, it still is like, it is still a, an amazing place, but it was electric, right? It, it was an electric place. Like, you know, I remember, gosh, like, and I, I told you about, you know, stuff I was doing academically and, and extracurricular life. But when I was at UVA, I saw a young and up, you know, an up and coming artist named Nas performing at the amphitheater. I saw the, I saw the the Fuji's open for the Roots in Mim Gym. And then the next year, I saw the Roots open for the Fuji's in Mim Gym. Wow. I saw uh, Chris Rock in in U-Haul. He did. It. He was an up and comer then. Dave Matthews like. They were just, you know, their band was, was, was starting their, their meteoric rise. The corner was hopping. Like, it was just a, a really vibrant place. And I think that really fostered, you know, making a lot of the social connections that I made there. And, you know, as I mentioned, I told the story about, you know, my friend who we just went to dinner in O Hill and we ended up, you know, in each other's, other's weddings. But, you know, obviously that, that journey to the Imp Society that, that just really solidified that it made something that was already like, already like stable. It made it like rock solid. And, and so, you know, from, from there, you know, I just, I kind of, as I reflect, I, I recognize the fact that what I was doing there was creating a, a network of people who not only rely on for social, for professional connections, but really are, you know, part of my support system. I mean, you're, you're in that web now, right? Like I call you and ask you, you for advice. And so, yeah, I think that my evolution into the M Society and beyond like that just really like was the, the tip of the iceberg. And, you know, I mentioned earlier how awesome a mentor you were for my son the last couple of years. It was just awesome. And I know mentorship's like a big part of your life, right? Anyone who gets into education, in, especially in the area that you are, uh, you're a mentor, right? You're, you're a coach, you're a mentor. And so now today, as you, if you were to meet imps that are currently attending UVA, what are some mentorship little tidbits that you would give to them? I say be precise in your planning, but don't be afraid to tackle new and, and unexpected opportunities. So, you know, with that, you, you, you just never know, you know, if you are going down a path and you realize as you, you grow, as you evolve, as you have experiences, you know, the person that you are becoming may not be the person that you envision yourself to be five, 10, 15 years from now. And that's okay because we all have, you know, we have, we have blind spots, we've got hidden talents. And part of our journey is to just sort of uncover those things and, and like question our, our biases, right? Like some, some of those are shaped by the people. Like I said, when I was growing up, it's like, oh, you're good at math, you're good at science. Like you should be a scientist or a doctor. No one said, you're good at science, you're good at math, but I think you should be a student affairs professional, <laughs> right? I mean, it's really, you think about it, right? It's like you went from going, almost going pre-med, mm -hmm. right? To, I'm going to go out on a limb with this one. I can't think of a job that's further away from pre-med than what you're about to do at University of Toronto, right? Am I right or am I right? I think you're right. And that in mind, so I'm going to pull, I'm going to pull my, my Tina Fey here. I'm going to say yes. And I'm going to say yes. And quite frankly, the scientific method is always applicable. So, uh, nice. right. So, so ultimately, you know, regardless of your, your, your career path, you know, agnostic of, of your, your, your job, you're always going to have to solve problems. 
And so that, that, that methodology around problem solving, like it still serves me today. It's awesome. Everything reverts back to what we learned our four years of Virginia. I keep saying that to everybody and you just uh, verified it. That's amazing. So I mentioned it earlier, favorite word with the letters IMP. Favorite word with the letter IMP is improvisation. Oh, that's perfect for you. <laughs> and actually, you know, uh, it, it is actually the same word in German uh, and in Spanish, though the Spanish spelling is C-I-O-N, but yeah, it's, it's the same word. And so I think in that, I, I love it because, you know, not only is it something that sort of uh, represents, you know, how I, I like to go about doing things, again, precise planning, and then the improvisation comes in with, you know, being able to react to those things that are unexpected, be they hurdles or, or opportunities. There's actually a great book. I don't remember the title of the book, but it's basically like the physics of music. And this professor, um, he, he talks about John Coltrane. So, you know, if you're, if you're a jazz person, then you'll know John Coltrane as a, a saxophonist who often, he was known for playing, he, he would play what would be perceived by the outside world as like dissonant notes in some of his, in some of his, uh, his, his solos, but it, it was calculated. And the fact that he was able to improvise the way that he did was actually a function of him like tirelessly like playing scales, major scales, minor scales over and over and over and over and over. So there was that precision, which actually gave him the ability to be able to sort of branch out and do something creative. And so, yeah, improvisation, it's a way of life. And it's also, it's also a globally accepted, you know, term. I love it. Well, I can't believe we're already at about an hour of hanging out. I think I, I sold you by saying we would only be 15 minutes, right? That's the only <laughs> way I could get all that time from you. So uh, why don't we wrap it up with a final little word that you could give to everyone listening. And why don't you do this? Why don't you do it in English? And why don't you do it in German? And that will be our wrap up for today. How about it? Okay. So I'm going to do a, a final word in English and a final word in German. Okay. Yeah, and I don't mean one word, literally one word, yeah. just your, your final message to everybody. Okay. So I want to say that I am very thankful that I've had the opportunity to speak with you, Mr. Hensky, AKA T-Ski. And the fact that I am a member of this, this great uh, club, the, the M Society has really been a life-changing experience. And for those of you who I have, have not met, I hope to meet you, you know, moving forward. And for those old friends who I haven't talked to in a while, I hope that we will chat soon. So I've got to say that in German now, right? You got it, go for it. Okay, I'm going to say this. Es freut mich, dass ich hätte eine Chance mit dir sprechen, Herr Hensky. Und es freut mich auch, dass ich bin ein Mitglieder in uh, dem Verein uh, Imp Society. Und die Leute, die ich uh, habe nicht before treffen, ich hoffe, dass ich im Zukunft eine Chance uh, zu treffen haben und meine alte Freunde. Uh, wir werden, wir werden uh, noch, uh, noch, noch jetzt uh, sprechen. Vielleicht uh, nächste Woche, nächste Monat, uh, aber wir werden das bis bald. Vielen Dank. That's awesome. And Summarized, I don't want to be a Zoomer. That was great. <laughs> Imp Nation, wow, we got a gem today from Ryan. Uh, he's an imp. He's an alum. Uh, to me, he's a friend. 
And uh, he's a friend to everybody who knows him. Gosh, there's no one who gives more than him. Ryan, you're the best. Loved having you on. Can't wait to see you. I'm thinking the next time I'm going to see you is I'm going to have to come up to Toronto because you're going to be pretty busy the next couple of years. So, and I will make my way up there. We'll catch a soccer game together. And I can't wait to see you, my man. Yes. Yeah. I know your, your, your former teammate is affiliated with Toronto FC. So we're going. Nice. We're going, we're going to, and we're not only going, I think I'm going to ask if I could play that day. Yes. All right. We're going to stretch for three days. <laughs> All righty, Ryan. Take care. It was great catching up with you, my friend. All right. Thank you so much, Tom. I appreciate Take, it. Bye-bye. Hi there, Tom here. Before I let you go, I want to tell you about my other podcast, Total Sense. As you may know, after my time as an imp, I went on to become a financial advisor. Okay, stop laughing. Don't act so surprised. In each episode, I share advice to parents about how to talk to kids about money. As a parent, I know how difficult that money conversation can be, so I hope you'll listen and find it helpful. It's Total Sense. C-E-N-T-S, as in money, available anywhere you get your podcasts.